You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. This is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. And I have Dr. Ted Belfort. We're going to be talking about the treatment of sleep and breathing disorders and uh, dental appliances that help with disorders such as this. So, Ted, thanks for coming. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks for having yeah. me. Oh, no problem. So, just to start out, what, what spurred your interest in sleep? Well, it's, it came round about. I, I was practicing in Manhattan and treating performing artists. Uh, somewhere around 1999, 2000. And uh, they would request a small tooth movement. They'd say, hey, doc, I'm getting a new headshot. Can you just straighten this one tooth for me? And uh, since they were performers, they couldn't wear braces. And there was no Invisalign in those days. So I started fiddling uh, with orthodontic appliances, removable appliances, so that they could perform and wear the appliances at night. And uh, what happened, it was an accident, but one of the designs which used a unilateral bite block, uh, the result was that the uh, makeup artists were telling the actors, you know, your face is changing every time I see you. And my singers were reporting that they were reaching higher notes. So basically, I understood I was changing the face and the airway, and that's what inspired me. It's crazy. So by adjusting one tooth or two or... Having them wear like a retainer at night, you were changing their facial structure, their ability to sing and perform? That's correct. It's called epigenetics. Uh, when I first began to speak about it 20 years ago, nobody knew what I was talking about. But today, epigenetics is the biggest, uh, the largest science of the 21st century, arguably. And uh, what we know is that the environment uh, doesn't change your genes, but it changes the way your genes are expressed. So uh, since our diets are so poor, 63% uh, processed food, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, we don't fully express all of our genes for development. And the result is the face we walk around with and the airway we walk around with is not the same. So by wearing an oral appliance, uh, which stimulates expression of those genes, we get growth growth of the jaw, growth of the airway, toning of the airway. What I'm involved with 
is toning of the airway because sleep apnea and all sleep and breathing disorders are about a collapse of the airway. So if you tone the airway, you improve the situation. That's a great thing I haven't, you know, it's funny, all the, um, the sleep people I've talked to, and I've talked to probably a hundred of them, none of them talk about improving the tone of the airway. They just say, oh, the tone of the airway lessens as you age, and that's what causes sleep apnea and snoring, et cetera. So how would you ever affect the tone of the airway? Uh, well, I have a whole protocol for that. I have several appliances, I have breathing exercises. I have developed a protocol, and I have multiple case studies uh, which use uh, what we call virtual endoscopy. So from uh, a three-dimensional cranial scan, I can use software and literally put an eye into your airway and look at it. So just the way we look at a face and we can roughly tell how old that face is, I look at airways and I can tell how old the airways are, whether they're collapsing or whether they're young. I can see 70-year-olds with the airways of teenagers and teenagers with the airway of 70-year-olds. It's really quite interesting. What do you think are the main factors that modulate the tone of your airways? Well, that's the best question of all, because <clears throat> the main factor that modulates the tone is the cause of all sleep and breathing disorders, all jaw joint problems, well, not all jaw joint problems, but a majority of jaw joint problems, and that is lack of craniofacial development. It's all about a lack of development. If we are a fully developed, fully correctly developed. We don't have airway and breathing problems. So the key is to generate additional face and airway development. I, I started face and airway development. Well, I guess people would assume that, you know, your development stops once you're born. And then, you know, of course, things develop as you grow. But I would think people would certainly would probably mistakenly believe that your development stops at 18 or, or 16 when you're fully grown. That's exactly what I was taught in school, that you can't make any changes um, after late, adult, uh, late adolescence, early adulthood. So, but that's totally false. Uh, all the research today indicates that the cranial sutures uh, remain open. And uh, the research tells us that you just need, the body works on signaling. And there's something called mechanotransduction, which you can look up and it's very well understood today. It's a mechanical force on a bone cell that generates a bone cell response. In effect, that signaling allows the bone cell to reproduce another bone cell. We generate growth. Now, the face, growth within the face, completely linked to the airway. The way we uh, grow is soft tissue dominant. Uh, the cranium and basic cranium, the first part to develop in the womb, grows around the soft tissue of the brain. The orbit of the eye grows around as the eye develops, and the face mainly grows around the airway and is also affected by the tongue. So its environment plays a much more critical role in how our faces grow, particularly our faces, because nature designed our faces to be totally plastic, membranous bone. That's how we evolved from having a snout or three and a half million years ago, when you go back to Lucy, the first dominant and uh, the skeletal structure, uh, all of that changed over time as we evolved. And that's because the bone in our mid-face, extremely plastic, can change very easily depending on mechanical force and environmental change, particularly environmental change. Okay, so what's um, really interesting, because I haven't thought about this much, you know, I'm in looking at people, 
have you seen correlations between narrow faces, wide faces, different shaped heads, and the tone of their airways and other features of them or other uh, expressions of things in their body? Oh, well, that's what I do. I start my diagnosis in the face. So the answer is absolutely yes. Um, we are programmed for facial symmetry. If there is asymmetry in your face, quite logically, the first thing that's understood is your jaw's out of line. It has to be. You can't have a perfectly aligned jaw that's supported by an asymmetrical, uh, asymmetrical structure. So we look at the facial symmetry. and We're programmed for symmetry. So if you have asymmetry in your face, you didn't reach your full potential. That's number one on the hit parade. Now, um, the full development, as we develop uh, the craniofacial structure physiologically, the jaw realigns perfectly. And by the way, this is extremely important. Because the body, uh, basically, what we're all about is, is how much stress, and uh, particularly oxidative stress for aging, for example, how much stress is within our body determines our health and wellness. So by aligning your jaw, you improve your uh, homeostatic capacity, your ability for the body to maintain us in a healthy state. So the very first thing is to align the jaw. The, the second uh, most important thing is to tone the airway. Now, you're not hearing, you'll never hear any of this anywhere else because I've done all this research on my own. I'm independent and I do the research on my own. Uh, I treat patients and get results. Has, uh, has anyone ever told you they don't like the tone of your airway? I'm just joking. <laughs> Instead of the tone of your voice. <laughs> very cute, yes. <laughs> well, when I so, see a toned airway, I actually get very excited. <laughs> that's funny. You, you know, you, you, anyway, <laughs> so the first goal is to make sure the jaw is uh, aligned and then continue. You said then you want to work on the tone of the airway. So what's what's next? Well, it's all it's all connected. Uh, you know, it's where it's reaching our potential is really the goal, stimulating the body to reach its potential. And the potential that we're looking for is our health and our wellness. And the way we do that is by enhancing the autonomic nervous system, the body's ability, the autonomic nervous system runs you know, most of the functions of the body, you know, a heart rate, a blood pressure, uh, you know, body temperature, on and on and on. And the autonomic system, when we're young and we have a, a tremendous amount of homeostatic capacity, ability to maintain us in a healthy state, we're fine, but as we age, we lose our ability to do that. Our blood pressure goes up, our uh, sugar metabolism becomes uh, compromised, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we get, how do we improve that homeostatic capacity? So that's really what the treatment is all about. It's evaluating craniofacial development, looking where the airway is compromised, directing the treatment towards that particular compromise within the airway. And uh, all of this, you know, it, it all fits together. So when you're doing all of this, you're also enhancing the jaw balance. Everything is balanced. Symmetry and balance is all key to uh, the development. So, okay. Um, what are some ways in which you would help someone's jaw adjust? Would they put in a retainer-like device and sleep with it for a period of weeks? And would that do it? Or you know, by what mechanisms can you help starting to align the jaw properly? Well, basically, I designed an appliance that imitates nature. Uh, first of all, it puts the force of chewing back, which we didn't have. We don't chew anything hard anymore. 
So it has a bite block exactly where it belongs, where the body designed it. The block is in the region of the second bicuspid and first molar. That's where you're going to chew something hard. And by the way, it's on one side because if I give you a stick of gum, you don't chew it on both sides simultaneously. You chew it on one side and the other. So we put a bite block, unilateral bite block on one side in the area of the second bicuspid and first molar, which is the fulcrum of the mandible, the most ideal for chewing. Secondly, we want to imitate the signaling that the periodontal ligament, the ligament around the teeth receive when we swallow. Because when we swallow correctly, our faces develop. So since we haven't been chewing and swallowing correctly, our faces are underdeveloped. So I built in a, a spring system. Every time you swallow, it signals a cyclical, intermittent life force signal goes to the periodontal ligament. And uh, the body is all about signaling. We really know about vibration. You know, they had it right way back in the 60s, good vibration. So we get the proper uh, vibrations. In this case, uh, within the bone, it's a vibration in the fluid, interstitial fluid in between the bone cells. Actually, all of this generates uh, a physiologic response. This is called epigenetic. It's altering the environments to get a gene expression. The genes that grow and operate the human body can be turned on. That's what the Human Genome Project was right. all about. So uh, basically, we're turning on genes. I learned how, and you wear, yes, you wear an appliance at night, every night. Um, and also, I do have a small daytime appliance for breathing exercises because uh, breathing is so important. We all breathe too rapidly and too shallow because we're under a certain amount of stress. It's a natural reaction. So uh, what we do is we provide you with certain breathing exercises. We slow down your breathing and we get you to breathe correctly with correct tongue posture. All of this contributes to how efficiently your airway operates and how, efficient, how well you sleep. So what, are, what are some of the breathing exercises? What's an example of the and the end goal is that you for you to breathe through your nose more than your mouth, or is it to breathe in a certain way? Tell me about that. Well, all of that is address is correct or addressed. Uh, first of all, you should always be breathing in and out through your nose. The only time you breathe basically through your mouth is when you're exercising. That's accepted. But uh, normal breathing is in and out through the nose. Nature designed us to function that way. Uh, if we breathe, uh, if we mouth breathe, for example, we we uh, bypass nature's natural defense system, which is built up in the nose, defense against bacteria. If we breathe in through our, our nose and out through our mouth, we're hyperventilating. We're, we're getting more carbon dioxide out of our system than we should, and therefore we're creating an imbalance that changes our pH, which can even reset the natural senses, which tell us when to breathe. So uh, breathing correctly is, is absolutely critical. Now, unfortunately, with our lack of development, the tongue plays a really critical part in airway and breathing problems. So uh, breathing issues are 24-hour-a-day programs. So the exercise um, that I give you, which uh, is consistent with myofunctional therapy, we have an appliance, um, and when you bite down on it, you contract the base of the tongue. Uh, however, you're taught to bring your tongue up against your palate. So you bite on it, tongue is up against the palate, and that opens the area known as the velopharynx, the area around behind the soft palate. And then uh, when we that's when you're breathing in. Now, this is an exercise. You're allowed to breathe out through your mouth, and then you put your lips into a kissing position, which takes the buccinator muscle through the pterygomandibular raphe to the superior pharyngeal constrictor, and opens the superior portion of the area. 
So once you get your airway open and it hasn't been 24 hours a day, uh, all your body goes, wow, ah, this is wonderful. So now you slow down your breathing. Uh, it's basically 5.6 seconds in, 5.6 seconds out is what ideal breathing is. But for the exercise, we modify it a bit. Uh, we breathe in uh, very, very slowly, hold it for four, uh, count of four, and then blow out more than you breathe in. We do that, get all the old air out of the lungs, but also breathing out is parasympathetic. That's the relaxation. The goal is to reduce stress. So the exercises reduce stress and tone the airway at the same time. By, by doing that, you're enhancing your autonomic system in general, which reduces inflammation so that um, the real issues with breathing that we have 24 hours a day, for example, is swollen turbinates in our nose. And they are swollen, and we want to shrink them. We want to open them up. So the, extra, uh, the exercises help shrink the turbinates in the nose, allow for proper nasal breathing. I have a quick yes. question there. So, you know, I'm someone that has been told I have a deviated septum. And, you know, until I really improved my diet a few years ago, one of my nostrils was always clogged, and a lot of times both. And, you know, when I'd watch movies where someone was, like, tied up and gagged, I would think I would have died if that happened to me because I can't breathe through my nose. So what do you do with people that, you know, their noses are clogged and, uh, you know, should they take like a, a nasal opener, you know, like clear or, you know, well, sign you yeah, something? Is, uh, you know, how do they do these exercises? Well, that's a wonderful question. Actually, we do have a treatment protocol for that, and it includes taping the mouth. Now, the way this works, let me explain. Uh, when your nose is stuffed, you breathe through your mouth. I mean, you got to breathe, right? So... Your nose is stuffed, you're breathing through your mouth. But what you don't realize, when you're breathing through your mouth and hyperventilating the carbon dioxide, you do not have the right balance of carbon dioxide in your blood to protect the mast cells in your immune system. What happens is they break down into histamine and they cause the swelling in your nose. So by breathing through your mouth, it's a vicious cycle. You breathe through your mouth, you reduce your carbon dioxide level, you're not protecting your mast cells. They break down into histamine, your nose swells up. So what do you do? You have to tape your mouth, use the sprays, uh, the polysaccharide sprays. Um, you can do this during the day and you, until you can breathe through your nose properly. And then you wear this little appliance that I've designed at night with the mouth tape. And that makes more room for your tongue. And also allows for the, you know, for the toning and also contributes to the, the exercises during the day. So by doing the exercises during the day, wearing the appliance with mouth tape at night, the result will you begin to breathe through your nose. Once you begin to breathe through your nose, everything changes. You show tremendous, tremendous improvement. Now, uh, the improvement also relates to your uh, lowering your stress level, enhancing your autonomic nervous system, improving your heart rate variability. Today, we link heart rate variability with longevity, for God's sake. It's the critical marker for health, much more effective than blood pressure. So all of this is all linked together. And yes, we can treat you with this very little appliance. We call it, it's a trademark. It's called the POD, P-O-D, Preventive Oral Device, a U.S. trademark. You wear, that, you wear that during the day with the exercise. You can also wear it at night with the mouth tape. And uh, this will uh, allow you to breathe properly at night. Hmm, that's amazing. So um, what are some of the other consequences of mouth breathing? I would guess it would change the microbiome of your mouth and preferentially, you know, steer them towards aerobic versus anaerobic bacteria and it would dry out wow. the mouth and 
maybe it would create re reactive oxygen species because you have too much oxygen or more than before. I don't know. Like, what have you seen the implications? Wow, wow, wow. You know your stuff, man. Actually, yeah, well, you're getting into the heavy stuff, and you're absolutely correct. Mouth breathing is enormously destructive, but the issue, let's go back. You started, uh, you mentioned a few things, reactive oxygen species, and you also started off talking about sleep apnea. Well, I want to uh, take it a, a little bit down a notch from sleep apnea, because a lot of the folks that you're going to be talking to, they're 30 and 40 years old. They don't have sleep apnea. But uh, uh, like yourself, the sounds of it, you probably have upper airway resistance, okay? So that means at night, uh, your airway is somewhat compromised. All it has to do is be compromised a little bit. And as you fall asleep and your muscles relax, your tongue will compromise the airway further. At one point, what happens is the body responds, especially when you're young and healthy, your body's like a hair trigger. It'll respond to that compromised airway and go, uh-oh, you're strangling. You have to get out of deep sleep, and it takes you right out of deep sleep into light sleep by shooting catecholamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine into the blood. Your heart rate picks up, and you go from deep sleep to light sleep. Now, this can be measured very easily by just looking at uh, using a simple device to look at your heart rate. You know, when you're sleeping and if you're getting a good night's sleep, you're 50 to 60 beats a minute. It's gorgeous, little tiny, uh, even 50 to 60 beats all night long. However, if you have upper airway resistance, you're spiking anywhere 50, 60, up to 80, 90, 100 beats a minute. And what this is doing is, uh, is producing a huge effect on the body, on the level of the mitochondria. And that's where reactive oxygen species and reactive nitrogen species comes in. Without explaining the molecular biology on this, what I would simply say that body has a specific reaction on the level of our energy factory, the mitochondria, and it reacts by replacing the need for oxygen. In other words, once we're oxygen deprived, the body has to do something to protect it. So we protect it with uh, actually by generating nitric oxide. Um, the, nit the mitochondria generate additional nitric oxide, and they actually generate additional sulfur dioxide also, which is reactive oxygen species. However, nitric oxide is the reactive nitrogen. So the result is a formulation of something called peroxynitrite, which is really what kills us. So the point is that nitric oxide which one molecule of the year, uh, 95 or 98, something like that, is really, really wonderful. Uh, generated in the parasinuses, it's vasodilator, it's really important to our health. But if we're not breathing properly, have upper airway resistance, that very same nitric oxide, which is a godsend, maintains uh, lining of our blood vessels, etc., can uh, react with uh, sulfur dioxide and form peroxynitrite, uh, which can destroy everything from your DNA right to any tissue or organ in your body. So um, that's how I, that's what kills us. That's how we breathe is so sick. So people may not be aware at all that they have upper airway resistance syndrome or apnea, or they may think, oh, I, you know, my partner says I snore and it's no big deal. Um, quick question here is, does snoring mean by definition that you have upper airway resistance or is it going to be a separate type? Yeah, it's hard to imagine uh, snoring without upper airway resistance. So uh, really what happens is the airway becomes compromised, the air speeds up, um, and it vibrates uh, the soft tissue, and you have snoring. 
So it really is telling us that the airway is compromised to begin with, because when you uh, push air through a tube, wherever you shrink it or compromise it, the air speeds up. It's just a fact. And where it speeds up, it generates the snoring vibration. If you're snoring, you have a compromised airway, you have upper airway resistance, and you're on your way to sleep apnea. Also, the vibration of snoring um, damages the uh, nerve cells that maintain, you know, the, the airway is a muscular tube. Well, actually, the way it works is this soft tissue, uh, smooth muscle of the airway. There are uh, nerves that innervate these, uh, that muscle tissue become damaged by the vibration. You're snoring, you end up with a sagging airway. So you're on your way to sleep apnea. So, okay, um, the people that you currently help, where are they on the spectrum of, you know, towards apnea? Like, how would you help someone to rehab their tone if they have apnea versus snoring and UARS? versus, you know, they're fine and they just want to, again, sing better or function better as an athlete or sleep better? Well, let me put it this way. Toning the airway is something everybody needs because, well, there's some small exceptions to people that have extremely well-toned airway, just like, you know, in the spectrum of people we meet. There are some people who are amazingly physically fit and have wonderful body tone, et cetera. But the majority of us fit in the other category, unfortunately. So they all need everybody from the sleep apnea patient to the upper airway patient to the snoring patient. Uh, You know, and it goes on and on because all this uh, relates to headaches, to backaches, to fibromyalgia. I mean, it goes on and on. It's all related. So uh, the first thing we want to do is breathe as uh, to the best of our ability so that our airway is functioning to the best of our ability. Uh, The folks who are on CPAP can even be treated. Nobody has ever told them that they can get a little bit better. I'm not saying you cure apnea. I'm not saying you even, I'm not even saying that by the numbers, you might not even reduce uh, the apneic events because that is not as significant as when you tone the airway, reducing the arousals. That's what makes you feel terrible. The fact that every time you get into a deep sleep, you can't stay there. Um, If you're a person with apnea, you actually go into REM sleep before your airway collapses. So you get some REM sleep, then your airway collapses and you wake up. The folks who are suffering from upper airway resistance, as soon as they get into a a deep sleep and their airway loses tone, they're completely, a shot of adrenaline, norepinephrine goes into their blood to wake them up. Those are the people who feel terrible. So yes, the whole spectrum uh, is treatable. Oh, very interesting. I wonder if um, the CPAP, the CPAP, I guess, is forced air being pushed into the throat. Do you think that just compounds the problem or creates a dependency upon the machine? Or, you know, what do you think is the mechanism of interaction there? Well, absolutely. In fact, all the mechanical treatment that we do has negative and a negative side effect. All of it. I mean, the CPAP, mandibular advancement that dentists do to open the airway, they all have a negative side effect. The only way to treat the body in the 21st century, because we're much smarter now, is having the body fix the body. You need the body to fix the body. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. We're, we're focusing on utilizing what we have, our physiologic ability to restore health. And uh, it's a different approach. We build, I build a foundation. It's not necessarily going to cure apnea. It's going to improve you in so many ways. And then you're, the traditional treatments are available. I'm not saying throw away your CPAP machine or your uh, mandibular advancement device. I'm saying that there is a way 
to improve your circumstance, and uh, these devices are sometimes extremely necessary. What's um What's an example of one of just one of the exercises you tell people to do to increase the tone of their uh, you know their air passengers? Well, well, we have a little device that provides resistance. So what happens is you can try this yourself very easily. What I what I was saying before about the breathing out with your lips and the kissing to. See, what you want to do, um, when you, you breathe in through your nose, that's a given. But when you breathe out, if you put any kind of resistance, put your fist up against your lips and try to blow out, what you'll feel and you'll look in the mirror and see your neck expand. You're, exp you're expanding that tube, that airway. So what you do is when you breathe in through your nose, we have a little device that you breathe out through. Uh, so you're breathing in through your nose and you're breathing out through your mouth. Uh, with your lips pursed, and it resists. As a result, it expands your airway. Now, the most important expansion of the airway is the lateral expansion, not the anterior-posterior. What we're doing now, the traditional treatment, is to bring the jaw forward, which is an anterior-posterior expansion of the airway. But for treating apnea, the tongue is slipping back and closing off the entire airway for 10 seconds. But if the airway is toned wider, the tongue slips back, it doesn't close the airway. The airway is too wide for that. A, a correct airway should be 36 millimeters wide. And generally, when the tongue slips back, it won't close that entire airway. So, uh, And also, remember, I look at airways. Now, if I see an airway that's collapsing from the side, I know I can fix it. It's not that hard. Those are uh, redundant lateral pharyngeal folds that are collapsing inward. We can tone that, make the airway wider, and you're much healthier by, by virtue of that, much healthier. That's a tremendous improvement. So if you um, do an exercise, I'm just making one up, if you breathe in through your nose and then you put a straw in your mouth and breathe out through the straw, or you purse <laughs> your lips so that it exerts back right. pressure, would that, would that radially expand your throat and... Would that be a good way to, to tone your throat and it would, it would, I guess, affect it in all directions, lateral and interior and posterior? Well, that was brilliant. That would work. That's totally brilliant. That's exactly correct. Okay. But you have your own protocol, you know, to do all these things. That's great. Well, I, I do because there are a bunch of things that are combined, actually. First of all, uh, it, it goes in depth because you have to breathe with your diaphragm. You have to breathe as the yogis teach. You breathe with your stomach. Um, if you understand uh, the importance, for, let me give you a, a little bit more knowledge. When you breathe in, when your diaphragm drops, that's how you breathe in. You create more volume in your chest cavity and the air coming through your nose, mouth, whatever. But you're dropping your diaphragm. And to do that, if you use your stomach muscles to do it by expanding your stomach, which is correct breathing, you're actually pulling on the fascia around the second uh, sacral vertebrae. and um, this action uh, helps to uh, move the cerebrospinal fluid upward. And then when you breathe out, you really push the cerebrospinal fluid up. Uh, and that's necessary for maintaining your pituitary and your pineal gland. Um, it removes the waste, cools the gland, uh, the pituitary gland. And um, also, uh, when you're breathing properly, uh, contrary to what we were taught in school, the bones in your skull are moving. The most critical bone of all, the central bone, is the sphenoid. It's in, there are 22 bones of the face and skull, and the sphenoid interacts with the majority of them. So if we can affect the sphenoid and we can get the sphenoid in balance, uh, the jaw is attached to the sphenoid, so that aligns the jaw. 
but also the movement of the sphenoid is extremely important uh, in um, the actions of the pituitary gland. So you have the whole endocrine system now becomes involved. So you see how complex this is. It's how you evaluate the person. What's happening today, everybody's in a cookie cutter mode. You know, if you come in and you, you go to a physician and you have an airway problem, they put you on a CPAP. If you have an airway problem, you go to the dentist, they put you on a mandibular advancement appliance. Uh, in my mind, this is uh, not adequate. Um, you, uh, I start to evaluate a patient from a three-dimensional cone beam scan. We look at the airway. We look at the craniofacial development. We measure the development. We see where the deficiencies are. And we address treatment towards the deficiency. And this is, uh, I believe, appropriate uh, treatment. It makes total sense. Um, backtracking a little bit, what do you see the effect of people that have had braces, Invisalign, traditional braces, et cetera, versus people that haven't? Is it on the whole a beneficial thing or a negative thing? All right, here's a story. If, uh, crooked teeth are a symptom of your lack of craniofacial development. Primitive cultures uh, that basically developed that when they had proper full development, their teeth were perfectly straight. We still have cultures in the world where the teeth are straight. So when you have crooked teeth, all it is is telling us that you don't have full craniofacial development. When you have crooked teeth, it's telling us that you need that craniofacial development and you, you need your airway toned, et cetera. You need all of this work done. So, uh, so but the biggest mistake, of course, is removing the bicuspids which in effect is retrusive and brings the jaw backward and the tongue down the throat. So that's horrible. So uh, the folks that uh, practice uh, maxillary development and palate expansion, by the way, I can talk about palate expansion. It's another story. But um, the, they're in the right direction. You don't want to take teeth out. And uh, um, basically with Invisalign, unfortunately, they practice slenderizing where they compromise the teeth by narrowing them with uh, diamond strips and, and bring the teeth uh, together. So what you really want is the jaw. It's about the bone. It's not about the teeth. The teeth are all symptoms. You want to develop the jawbone. You want to develop the bone. You want to develop the face and the airway. You develop it. You have a good foundation. The rest is easy. So, yeah, maybe if you can talk a little bit about palate expansion and, you know, how you, again, what happens when you're getting braced. So Invisalign, you said it's can you talk a little bit more about more about what Invisalign does and why it does it in a way that's not proper and maybe contrasted to regular braces? How does it affect I'm not, people? I'm, say, I'm not saying it's not proper. It, but people want straight teeth. Invisalign is wonderful. I mean, uh, it straightens your teeth. It's predictable work. And there's nothing. In that effect, it depends what your goal is. Uh, all I'm saying is that if you build a house, you want to build it on the strongest foundation possible. So if you look to developing your uh, structure, your craniofacial structure, um, and then straighten your teeth, you've done the Rolls-Royce of treatment. If you straighten your teeth without you know, first developing the foundation, you might have a nice smile. It's going to be a little too narrow. You're not going to breathe as well. So it's two different protocols. I'm not saying uh, that one is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's wrong either. I'm just saying that there is another protocol that has not yet to be been explored because uh, the profession does not yet recognize uh, what I'm saying. They do not recognize craniofacial dystrophy, the lack of craniofacial development. Uh, the profession does not recognize toning the airway. I'm, I'm a pioneer. Well, let's say um, 
you know, I have a child that's 12 years old, their teeth are crooked, and, you know, the orthodontist says, all right, we'll put them in braces. Is there another way to intervene using some or all of the methods you developed to get the effect of teeth straightening along with the proper, you know, craniofacial development? I.e., could you, could you help someone's crooked teeth just by other methods other than braces, do you think? Well, uh, let me say, number one, the ideal time to treat uh, a child is ages 7 through 10. Uh, is the ideal time because at that point uh, there is developmental systems using orthodontic brackets. Uh, uh, there's a bio the bioblock system uh, developed by John Mew in England, which is sensational. Seven through ten, that's pretty much the limits. But what you can do is horizontal development. Horizontal development is what you need to develop your airway. You get the proper the way we're supposed to develop forward and upward. But um, after that, there is, uh, at age, tw- age 12, there are many competent orthodontists uh, who can uh, develop the jaw um, in the teenage years. Uh, but let me make it perfectly clear. The, the term paddle expansion is bandied, thrown about, and using the latest software from the Mayo Clinic, I've looked at it. And really, what's really developing or remodeling, rather, uh, changing is the bone that the teeth sit in. Uh, that's called the alveolus, the alveolar processes. That's where the bone, where the teeth sit. And that's really where the change takes place. And you get wider and bigger and more room for your teeth, and they look a beautiful smile. The palate itself, the hard palate, is affected by this uh, so called palate expansion, but the palate itself, in an adult, you'd have to break the uh, interpalatine suture to get developed, and that would be painful. Adult palate expansion is, is not the way to go, but slow, they call it slow expansion. It's not really expanding the palate, but it works. I mean, it gives you a bigger dental arch and straighter teeth. It's perfectly acceptable, and good orthodontists can do that beautifully. So is palate expansion supposedly a byproduct of braces, or is it a completely different you know, course of treatment? Well, well, no, yeah, it's a different course of treatment. The uh, braces, what I put on, what you're calling braces, brackets and wires, are for straightening teeth. But to, uh, but there, there is also uh, arch systems um, that are designed for expanding the arch as well. But they use uh, different systems, slow expansion with different appliances. You have to crank them, you know, a screw system that expands and uh, basically uh, provides continual force on teeth, which allows the bone to remodel. I don't, I'm not a proponent of that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but I, uh, I'm i a student of J.J. Mao and basically believe in cyclical intermittent light force signaling, which uh, can straighten, can make the, the bone remodel and straighten teeth. It's not as efficient as the orthodontic treatment with uh, traditional orthodontics, uh, but it, it does the job physiologically correctly. It gets it's the proper signaling that the body recognizes. When we grow, every time we swallow, our tongue sends a cyclical intermittent light force to the membrane around the teeth, and that's what the body recognizes. Now, the periodontal ligament is brilliant. It's the ligament that surrounds the tooth bud, and as we're growing, the teeth move through the bone exactly where they're supposed to be, and then they pop out of the bone, and guess what? You have a beautiful smile. That's amazing. 
It's all because the periodontal ligament and the gene, the DNA, are in communication. So by signaling the periodontal ligament, which is in communication to our DNA, we can get amazing results. The periodontal ligament and the cranial sutures are all, uh, their anatomy is the same. They have the ability uh, to communicate to our genes. And that's what I work with. Amazing. So far beyond, beyond uh, normal dentistry, it's like, uh, you know. Well, I've been estimated like really- I'm 15 years ahead of the professions, but I've been, I mean, nobody's verified that. Um, I brought it up very, very, very briefly, but what areas do you see that your knowledge is lacking, you know, or that dentistry is not taking into account at all? Like, again, the, you know, the, the microbiome of the mouth and the throat and all that. Have you looked at that or do you see that's not really uh, a major factor in playing into what's going on? Oh, of course it's a major factor. And I recommend uh, a book by uh, Dr. Stephen Lynn. He's a friend of mine, lives in lives and practices in Sydney, Australia. It's called The Dental Diet, Stephen Lynn, L-I-N. And uh, his focus is uh, the microbiome and its relationship to, uh, uh, well, I mean, there's no getting around it. A body, one of the body's key communication that's epigenetic, there's two. The food we eat is totally epigenetic because the body responds to whatever food we put in our body. And two, a microbiome, the microbiology of the mouth and the gut. I mean, that's epigenetic. That's talking to how the body functions. And Stephen Lynn wrote an amazing book, The Dental Diet. And if anybody's interested in that, they should pick that book up. It's on Amazon. They on Amazon. Okay, that's great. So what's the best way for folks to find out more about your work and uh Maybe to get in contact with questions or collaboration or to, you know, to purchase one of your protocols to improve their airway tone. How can they follow up? Uh, they need to contact their dentist. Uh, tell them that they are interested in the homeoblock. Homeoblock is uh, basic. Remember, I was talking about the homeostatic capacity and homeostasis. The homeoblock is my appliance. And have their dentist contact me, and I can do uh, train the dentist, and they can provide uh, the same services that I provide. I, I've trained a number of dentists all over the country, all over the world, actually. Okay, well, very good. And if uh, if anyone wants to see in particular uh, the things that you've created and are working on, is there a website or a way for them to find out more about you? Uh, well, I, I have a website. I haven't done much with it in quite some time. It's called. Facial Development, facialdevelopment.com. So if you go on uh, facialdevelopment.com, um, it'll also give you my contact information. Um, it's, uh, that's, I, I don't have a lot of literature to, uh, to hand out at this time, uh, particularly because I'm um, applying for FDA approval in other ways. And uh, with the FDA, you can't make any statement. Uh, you can't write any literature or make statement to get the approval. So uh, we're very close, very close to FDA approval, maybe a month or two ways. Okay. All right. Well, very good. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, you're like a fire hose of information about sleeping and dentistry that uh, <laughs> I haven't heard before. So it's going to take a while to take it in. But thanks for uh, for everything so far. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I hope some dentists hear this. And if they're interested in contacting me, I love to. I'm open to hearing from any of the doctors, dentists, ear, nose, and throat doctors, anybody. I, I have a lot of input. I look forward to. All right, very good. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, 
I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves, or by prescription, or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.